Hi everyone, my name is Chad Kelly. Welcome back to our financial podcast. I'm going to be discussing with Patrick Brady the decision of saving for retirement versus paying down debt and the emotion of both options. Hope you enjoy. All right, Patrick, thanks for joining me again today. We're, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit more about behavioral finance and uh, some of the questions we deal with clients. Um, yeah. One of the, the age-old questions we get is, um, I'm now have I'm out of my training. I have extra money. What should I do with that money? Should I pay down debt, save for retirement? It's, it's kind of the age-old question. Yeah. And, and we deal with this a lot. And uh, it's a very common. It's I, I bet we deal with it once a week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Easily. And, and it it's, it can more. be tough sometimes because there's there's no one right answer. Yeah. Um, but it has a lot to do with emotions and behavior and yeah, a lot of the emotional spending and from our parents. I mean, that's uh, we've talked about it that before you and I on how parents have such an influence when it comes to our attitudes of debt and how we watch them um, manage it poorly or manage it very wisely. I, I, I came from a situation where my father had to look wealthy all the time. He was a real estate agent, and okay. he had to appear as if everything was always going well. Sure. And that was on the outside. On the inside of our house, we lived in a home in Pepperwood, and um, on the outside of the house, it was huge, like 6,000 square feet, and it just was beautiful. You walked on the inside, there were three rooms that were finished, and the rest of the house was plywood floors. And really? there were doors that you could shut to kind of keep people isolated into the home so they didn't go into other places <laughs> of the house. And there yeah. were, you know, a brand new Wagoneer back in the day, Jeep Wagoneer and a yeah. Mercedes in the driveway. We were dirt poor because he overspent and, and he didn't know how to manage debt. And when he died, um, he just passed away this year, his home that he bought on Princeton Avenue um, now that he's dead, I don't mind talking about my dad. Yeah. <laughs> and I love him, and he's awesome. He's a great father. But his, you know, when he passed away, I was the, the trustee of the estate. My father bought a house for about 178000 And when he passed away and I sold the home, I paid off a $410,000 debt on that house. Jeez. So, you know, and that's at age 83. And it really, he, he died in a very difficult position. So um, my attitude of debt is I hate debt because I watched my father not live it correctly. Matter of fact, I'm a, probably a financial advisor because of my father's disastrous behavior. That's yeah. just an example of real life. And I run into it all the time with clients where they, they see either their parents really manage debt well and so they want to be that way or they saw disasters and they promised they'll never be that way or they are bad at managing money. Because they didn't figure it out themselves. Yeah, there's definitely some strong emotions that are that come to the surface when it comes to paying down debt, yeah, saving for retirement, and it, a lot of it goes back years and years to right. childhood experiences, right? Yep. What What are some of the common questions, I guess, um, or the the common emotions, I guess, clients express when it comes to paying down debt? Uh, you know, I think the most common emotion that I see is in a couple relationship. So let's say a pretty traditional husband and wife come in, either one is the physician, but they, 
they both they both do not have the exact same attitude towards debt payoff as the other. Yeah, different pages. Yeah, and they're trying to work on it and get to that point. And and I I will say this every time, and it is not meant to be gender biased, but f- females have a tendency to hate debt more than males. And it doesn't matter who the physician is. Um, that's not it. It's just the gender seems to be a little bit more repulsed by the idea of debt. And I have no background in my studies on that except thousands of examples where I could say I see that a lot over 20 years. Yeah. So um, a lot of times you get these attitudes that you're talking about. You get two people in the room. One of them wants to pay off debt. One wants to save and take advantage of the, the stock market um, over time. Um, but if someone really wants to focus on debt in that marriage, then we say that person wins if they're not on the same page. And, and, and the reason I say it, I shouldn't say we, that's my attitude. And the reason I encourage to say, look, if, if the female or the male really have the emphasis on paying off debt over the other and they're adamant about it, they need to win because it strengthens their relationship um, if they're married, it strengthens their marriage. It protects the marriage so they yeah. don't have that thing that they're biting over. Even if they're losing a few interest rate yeah. points, I could care less. Yeah. The, the point is someone needs to be out of debt in that marriage. We better live it yeah. to strengthen it. And it, this is one of the one issue that will cause a divide in a relationship faster than almost mm-hmm. anything else, right? One person says, I don't mind the idea of debt, and the other person says, I'm losing sleep over it. Yeah. You know, if the person who doesn't mind it puts off the person who's having feeling anxiety over it, 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 it causes ha- a, r- a riff. Has a ripple effect through somewhere all aspects of to, their marriage. Yeah, I totally agree. Yep. Yeah. It really does. You have to learn how to manage that issue. Uh, money is not an easy thing to, to discuss in a marriage or in a relationship, and it takes a very mature head to think clearly about it. Yeah. You know, it, we don't want to paint things with a broad brush. Is there is there is there such a thing as good debt? Um, yeah, there's absolutely good debt. I, I, I think medical school uh, or higher education debt, particularly in graduate school, is excellent debt. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm a little bit more of the opinion we should suffer through our undergraduate and try to pay it off yeah. um, or pay as we go even if we're able to do that. But yeah. when you get into the graduate level program, particularly our specialty being just physicians, I would say easily that education debt is. It was a lot easier to say that when, you know, when I started here, um, those first five years till about, no, I'd say a little longer, six years, our, our interest rates that the physicians were paying was somewhere like 2%. Yeah. And then if you made five years, of, no, I don't know, 60 online payments after five years um, automatic, then your debt reduced by another 1% automatically. So there's physicians out there that are still paying off debt that's just over 1% on interest. Yeah. And we advise them to take a long time to pay off that good debt. Um, that's below their savings rate thresholds at a bank on average. Yeah. It seems seems like the the going rate right now is six, seven, eight percent. Yeah. I mean, you're the student loan specialist today in our office Yeah. and you see different debt loads than I do. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's common that, you know, people come into meetings, you know, maybe if they're fresh out of training and saying, like, I just need to get rid of my student loan debt as fast as possible. 
But there could be situations where you say maybe we're going to drag it out a yeah. little bit. Maybe you qualify for yeah. When do you see that? What do you uh, advise on that? Ten, if you if you qualify for ten year debt forgiveness, it could could make sense to be strategic about it and say, okay, I've been making income based repayments for four, five, six years. I'll be making higher payments because my income has gone up for another four years. By that point, I'll be at ten years. I work for a nonprofit, mm. and in theory, the balance will be forgiven, right? Yeah. And so if that's the case, it, it all, the system almost incentivizes you to make the smallest amount of payments, your minimum payments, and have the biggest amount forgiven. And so it's, it's, a, it's a mathematical equation, yeah. obviously, in this one with some trust in how the system's going to pay out in the end. Yeah. Now, there, there's a big, long debate about how the debt will be forgiven, if it will be forgiven. You know, there, as we know, there's lots of turmoil, yeah. perceived turmoil in the government right now. And the, but the, the law this, currently says that's what's going to happen. Exactly. And so it could make sense to you know, try to remove some of the emotion from paying down that debt and saying, we're going to make minimum payments. Even though I know it's, it's looming out there, it could even be growing because the interest is outpacing yeah. your payments, right? right. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. It could make sense to say we're going to take take it and put it on the back burner just just temporarily. Right. So a focused imbalance. I think another good debt, obviously, is a home. I think a home is an important one. Um, you know my phrase, one house, one spouse. And um, the theory behind that is really about the mortgage more than anything. Well, obviously, the spouse is an important one. But the one house portion of that is that... Um, oftentimes we get into this pattern of redoing our 30-year mortgage over and over and over. Yeah. And by the time you get to your third home, you still have 97% of your original mortgage left. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're starting another 30-year payment. People don't take their equity and buy down their mortgage. They take their equity and build up the house. Yes. So that's the one house theory. So I, I typically say, look, be house poor at the beginning, find a place where you think you can live for a long time and raise your family if that's how you're going to function and and try to be a little house debt. Yeah. Um, it's not a terrible debt to have. Interest rates right now are pretty good relative yeah. to having a little bit bigger one. Get a lot of tax break. A little tax break on it while we can. Mortgage interest. Eventually we want you to pay off that mortgage. I mean, that's a good segue. A lot of people want to carry the debt the whole time because of the break. Yeah. Um, tax returns. Yeah. A good CPA and a good financial advisor will say that's bunk. You're still paying, you're still paying like seventy cents on the dollar to the bank. Yeah. Uh, you only get a thirty cent tax break over thirty years. I I would want to pay off that debt as fast as I can, enjoy the tax break on that debt uh, that you get on a mortgage, and then enjoy your full dollar keep it instead of still giving some of it to the bank. You don't need the tax break at that point. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's bogus. Tax breaks are only good when you have to have the debt. When you don't have to have it, enjoy the full dollar back in your pocket. Yeah. Another, another question we get is, is it okay for me to go into debt for a car? Should I just mm. be paying cash for all my cars? What are your thoughts? So this is personal opinion. Yeah. Economists by degree which means uh, we think a little bit differently. So I think one of the values of um, us going into a good paying profession is that we get to protect ourselves with the income that we earn. So an example would be you can earn, because you earn a little bit more money, you might choose to live in a safer neighborhood. And that safer neighborhood could be a statistical or a lot of the common things is I want to live by where there are good schools for my kids. And that generally means very particular neighborhoods. I think cars have some correlation there. I had a, a professor now. This was way back in the 
in the uh, early 90s when the option to have anti-lock brakes was something you had to pay for to just to date me a, a little a bit. A luxury. Here. Yeah, I'm sure there's some other physicians that understand this. Yeah, it was a luxury. So I remember him arguing saying, look, the cost of paying $1,000, and then he did a, an equation of how that would have a, this percentage of saving your life more in an accident. And he mathematically demonstrated that going into debt and paying a little bit more for a nicer car that you could pay off because you had a higher income capacity was a good economic decision inside, inside family finance ah, yeah. versus paying, continuing to, to drive the junker for years that was paid off and yeah. yet your likelihood of death if you were in an accident <laughs> was quite high. Now, that was yeah. way back then. Yeah. But here again, I think it's the same principle. There are people that say, yes, I want to have a safe car, and, a, and that's good car debt, um, but we want you to pay it off as fast as you can. And eventually, and we actually can show you, you can, you can probably get to a point in your life where maybe you have to have car debt for the first couple of cars in your life if you want a newer model car. Yeah. But eventually, you can be paying cash for those. And the interest in the bank is is helping you save for your next car versus uh, paying that interest to someone else. Awesome. I hope that made sense, that yeah. whole conversation. Yeah, no, I think it's a good example. I say that out loud on a podcast that we're not <laughs> going to go back and create. We'll have to go edit that whole section out. <laughs> yeah, you might have to. Um, so we've talked a lot about the emotions of paying down debt. There's a lot of emotions associated with savings as well, saving money. Um, some people kind of have the mentality of, you know what? I'd rather just spend it and enjoy it. That's why it works. That's why I went to school. Mm-hmm. That's that's a common emotion when it comes to to saving. They think uh, I'm averse to it because yeah. I'd rather just spend it and enjoy it. Right. Um, some love to see their account balances grow. Yeah, that's me. I love to gamify my savings. Yeah, it's almost competition with yourself. It's competition right? with myself. Yeah. Um, and some, it's not hoarding money. I just like to see it. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 Um, some but feel- I like to spend money too. <laughs> <laughs> I spend more money than my wife does, which yeah. is is unique. Is what, uh, but the savings is what brings the peace to m- peace of mind, helps me sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's common to also hear people say that they feel a lot of stress or pressure when when the, the, the even the idea of saving comes up in their minds. You know, they, yeah. They, someone says, "Oh, you should save more," and they immediately feel like, "Oh." Here we go again. Yeah, sometimes we start comparing ourselves falsely with others, and and we have we really don't have the correct number of what we should have saved. Um, we, you and I, or a financial advisor, can help people understand what that number needs to be, quite quite clearly, and help them come up with the right amount of savings that they should be working on. And then some people also those like there's not don't you have numbers that kind of demonstrate like the person that likes to save and they do it early in life and how that benefits them versus waiting yeah. too long. Yeah, so we've got a good example we're going to walk through here. So we're going to we're going to use the example of Dr. Jennifer and Dr. Sam. So Dr. Jennifer's situation is um, uh, Dr. Jennifer held off and didn't start saving until age 35, which is pretty typical. Yeah. For a physician getting out of residency and they just finally start saving in the state of Utah. That's their, pretty common. Their income goes up. They yep. finally got their feet on the ground. Yep. Um, she puts away $1,000 per month from her 31st, 35th birthday until she turns 45. So mm. for 10 years, okay. $1,000 so a month. 120 times she the, puts $1,000 away. And we're going to assume that she earns 7% on those contributions, on that money. 
Wahoo. Up until 65. We'll take 7%. Yeah, yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll settle for that. That'll be good. Dr. Sam doesn't start saving until he is 45. So that might be the example of the of Dr. Sam wanted to pay off debt. Yes, want to get get through all my debt. Yeah. Then start saving. Or he was lazy. <laughs> or he's lazy. <laughs> so overspend, ke- keeping up with the neighbors. Yes. <laughs> so at 45 Dr. Sam prioritized it, we'll say, I guess. Yeah. And did the same, saved $1,000 per month for 10 years till he's 55. Then also earned seven percent on that money up until sixty-five. Yeah. Okay. So one got a ten-year jump. Yeah. For their, the that ten-year savings period. So if we take a look in, at the numbers on the back end, once they both reach retirement, um, th- those of you, who, some may have guessed that uh, Jennifer has more money because she started saving earlier and she had more time for that money to grow. Um, she has seven hundred and thirty-four thousand. Uh, Dr. Sam, the one who started saving at 45 till 55, only has 373000 And they both put in 120000 over 120 months. Yeah. The yeah. difference was just exact. when T. they T yeah, for time. When they did it. Right? Yeah. Yep. And so you can imagine if, if we use the same example of a 10-year savings period, same dollar amount, but shifted it from 25 to 35, yeah. uh, the, the numbers could come out in the, the range of $1.4 million. Wow. And so... You know, for most physicians, saving $1,000 a month starting at 25 till 35, it might be unrealistic. It's a little tough. Um, but, but 35, but, it needs to start somewhere. Yes. For most people, that should be happening. Yeah, yeah. So I think this, I think this example highlights the importance of not delaying yeah. saving for retirement or saving money in general, right? Yeah. On the flip side, like we talked about the first part of this podcast paying off there, debt there's a lot there's it's important to pay off debt yeah we don't want to be rolling into retirement with big amounts of yeah. debt um you know I, I and i would i'm sure if you got all the advisors from utah medical association financial services in this room we'd all give a very similar answer yeah we might approach it a little differently and each case is different but, yes but the way patrick would answer that amongst all his peers in this office i would say i, I think that um going back Paying off debt secures a relationship. Yes, you can lose a little bit of money in the potential rate of return. What we haven't taken into account in this scenario because we didn't mean to, we, it wasn't the intention of Dr. Jennifer and Dr. Sam was to say, wonder if they took that $1,000 and applied it to a, 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 a house, you yeah. know, paying off a house early or some other debt in their life. How much money would they Right, how much would they have saved in that amount? By paying down debt sooner. By paying down that sooner. And that's our job, to help clients do the mathematics, because it's quite complicated. It's not as easy, because you have to take into account rate of return. You have to take into account the discount cost of the tax savings relative to the interest rate that they pay. Yeah. How much do they actually save in interest that they pay extra, because... That's not deducted off their taxes, their extra savings towards debt payoff. <laughs> yeah. So it's a really ca- uh, co- a complicated calculation, but you can come up with some answers mathematically, and then you bring in the emotional aspect of how you feel about debt, and between those two qualitative and quantitative conversation points, you can come up with a pretty good answer of what's best for you. Yeah. And maybe being like Dr. Sam and waiting till you're 45 is your right answer. Dr. Sam, because it fits, it fits two things. One is it keeps you happier because you paid off debt sooner. And the other one, it keeps you consistent in, in a strategy. You stuck with it 
and that's going to make you very wealthy sticking with something over and over again yeah um there's a lot of factors that go into this there's a lot of factors everything from i anticipate i'm going to receive some sort of an inheritance at some Mm -hmm. points or totally transfer of wealth to you i i want to retire early yeah you know earlier than 65 or i have the option i have no intention of retiring you know i want to work (laughs) up until i die you know yeah yeah i'll so yeah, and but, and you also you know the dual income issues, children issue, college issues. Yes. Um, one of the things that you should address, and I'm going to bring the question back to you. How about the idea that that if you are paying off student loans, wonder if you die uh, prematurely and yeah. you have this lump in there? You need to make sure. Go talk about that for a minute. Of saying what happens if a physician dies. Yes. And what do they need to double check on their loans yeah, to make sure they're yeah. safe? For the most part, federal loans are forgivable upon death, right? Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, people look past that detail. Yeah. On the flip side, if you if you refinance your loans with a private bank, um, it's not necessary. They're not forgivable. It's not and so always true. Yeah. Someone is on the hook for paying, and a lot of times it's surviving spouse or family members. So you drag that on y- because yes. the government will pay it off versus the idea that the government's not paying off your mortgage. Yeah. If you die. Yes. And so it, it, it can get complex real quick. Yeah. And I think that's where the value of an advisor comes in is, you know, being able to objectively sit back, look at the situation and create and do the math, create several options yeah. and say, let's talk through which option you feel best about. Right. Which option makes, makes the most sense to have you still maintain sanity in your household. Right. Achieve your objectives and you know, hopefully one day have a successful right. retirement. I, I would say to any physician out there listening to this, if they have if they work with an advisor that only pushes to invest versus pay off debt, they have the wrong advisor. Yeah. If that advisor, he or she, doesn't listen to their concerns about debt payoff and show the mathematics of that advantage versus the advantage of investing, which there are some, yes. and do a comparative between the two, they have the, or try to push a life insurance policy for heaven's sakes, with a huge surrender value at the end instead of paying off debt, um, instead of just buying term insurance, which allows you to pay off debt and be insured at the same time, you've got a bad advisor. Yeah. And, and maybe they're not a bad person, but they're not objectively looking at your situation before they look at their own wallet. Yeah. So. Exactly. And so, you know, someone who is looking for, I guess, for a, a definite answer of pay down debt, save for retirement, they're going to be let down when our answer is kind of, it, it, it depends. depends. <laughs> it depends, <laughs> as is the case in most things in financial planning. Yeah. We would say economists cannot talk with, with their hands tied behind their back because we need to say, on the other hand. <laughs> yes. You know, so we need both hands. We can't just have one. And that's, there are two cases in these or more in, yeah. in your situation. Well, great. Well, Patrick, thank you. I think, I think we had a great conversation that you know, illustrates the, the importance of both. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, one, the other, and a blend. Yeah. Right? You know, it's, it's not an easy answer. It's, we gave you some quick and dirty ideas to think about. If anything, I, I would say this conversation should hopefully have helped you understand that your question is not easily answered and you should seek good counsel. Yes. And just don't make an idea. Uh, just don't make a whim decision. Absolutely. There's a lot to it. I think you hit the the nail right on the head. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thanks again for your time, Patrick. And uh, thanks, Chad. We'll do it again. See you next time. Okay.